Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Holm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. On this show, I interview badass women real estate investors, women that are crushing it in the real estate space. And my guest today is certainly no exception. I am super excited to have with me Mandy McAllister, who is a multifamily real estate investor. She calls herself a mindset ninja. And she'll tell us more about that. And she's an eternal learner, coach, and dot connector. Her passion is to help others define their path to financial freedom through syndications, coaching, and her platform, Aspiring Women Achieving More. Like me, she has a heart to help other women. So I consider her a soul sister, and I'm super excited to have her with me. Welcome, Andy. Oh, hi. I could not be more excited to be on the line with you here, Monique. Thank you for the invitation. So before we started rolling and recording, you were talking about, well, A, you're about to retire from your job, which is super exciting. And then before, like long ago, you were a trader. So you were not in the real estate space. How did you get started in real estate investing? You know, this journey of must be real estate investor kind of started when I was 19 years old. I was at a party on a friend's porch, like in college. And she was explaining how her dad bought the house and she rented out the rooms to like our friends. And I'm like, and you get to keep that money that's the best idea I've ever heard in my whole life. So that was where the seed was planted of must be real estate investor. But then I moved from that small school in Georgia to Chicago, which is a kind of a cost prohibitive market and ended up following everybody's advice and doing all the right things, going through the whole career, getting the degrees, all of those hoops, you know, and then didn't end up buying anything for express purpose of investment until 2016 when I was 35. So 19 to 35 was a lot of thinking and wishing and in action. But since 2016, I've hit a spot where I don't need my day job anymore. So a little bit of focused effort goes a long way. So what finally got you to take action and tell us what was your first deal? So my very first deal was a fourplex and I was scared to death of it, right? Like my reason for doing it, my son was born in 2016 as well. And my thought was I'll buy this little fourplex next to a college. And then regardless if he goes to that college or not, I'll have it paid off in 15, less than 18 years, right? And then I'll put a new loan on it. And then that bucket of money is going to be tax-free basically because it's just a new loan. That's his college fund, right? So that was the reason for, oh, we're not in a dress rehearsal. Life is happening. Baby was born type thing. But also, you know, I still had this thing in the back of my head that, oh, well, what if this goes wrong? And what if a toilet breaks? And what if, I, you know, all of that, yeah. you know, fear stuff that everybody, like lots of people, especially I think women have get in their way. It really, you know, I took the deal to someone who'd done a lot of deals. And I said, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And that person was like, yeah, that's a deal I do for sure. Actually, I do it six days and twice on Sunday, you know? <laughs> so I did that deal and I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't die at the end of it. 
And not only that, I had a thousand dollars cash flow and a, a you know an asset that would be paid off in not that many years. So that really kind of accelerated my focus in a big way. So for me, once I got past that fear thing, it's a muscle and it became significantly easier to deal with in uh, subsequent transactions. I love it. So, okay. So you do this, you're thinking, okay, I'll do this one fourplex. That will be my, the college fund. <laughs> what got you to, okay, let me keep going until I have 250 some units, right? Like, <laughs> so what got you to keep going? You did this first deal where it was the college fund for your son. And so what got you to go on to, to think now? You said you had 250 by the end of next week, it will be 252. 252 by the end of next week. Amazing. So what got you from in this short, pretty short amount of time, five years from that one fourplex to where you are right now? You know, I think largely it was because in my life, in my community, I'm the only one who like really kind of sought this stuff out, right? So I never saw these examples of, oh gosh, it really is possible. Like you hear these stories of, oh, someone in this far off land is making this financial freedom thing happen. But then when I like was friends with people who were actually retiring from their jobs in their 40s and 30s and so on and so forth, it's like we were saying before, if you can see it, you can be it, right? And one thing I love about these types of conversations and maybe getting a chance to maybe be that example for somebody else, because I'm a single mom to a five-year-old little guy and I've figured out the money. So now that I can go live my life. That is amazing. So not only are you doing this all as a single mom, so for those of you listening, who are like, I can't do this because it's just me. <laughs> it is possible. You can. All right. So beautiful. So you were sharing before we started about like what you were, you're closing on next week. What are you currently working on? Yeah. So I really love right now, kind of with all of this economic uncertainty that we're in, I've kind of pivoted from focuses on like syndications where that business plan in the PPM is very precise, right? Like we're going to refinance in year two when we're going to sell in year five. And you kind of have to thread that needle in order to reach those projected returns that you have for your couple of dozen investors, right? I've kind of pivoted and worked more on smaller multis, these 50-ish unit uh, size deals, and we do joint ventures. So the deal we're closing on now, it's a 47 unit that it's me and five other guys that we're buying in Northwest Indiana, which is a area that I think I live in Chicago. So it's close ish. You know, another thing, there's nothing in my backyard. Chicago is so cost prohibitive. Well, you know what, like two hours away, there's a state that knows what they're doing in terms of governing, in my opinion. And there's deals to be had that make way more financial sense and where growth is happening in GDP, in jobs, in population. So this 47 unit, we actually bought vacant out of receivership. So a receivership wow. for newbies is basically foreclosure for big stuff. And we're going to put into it more than we're paying for the asset. And it's going to be really cool. And it's going to really change that community. So we're pretty excited. It's a heavy, heavy lift. I've never been part of something this heavy of a lift, but I'm excited about that too. That is amazing. And you've never been part of anything that what's getting you? Why this right now? So I feel like the market's super hot right? Like that's undeniable. So you got to kind of go where the opportunity is. And would I have been super keen on this heavy of a lift four years ago? Probably not. Actually, certainly not. 
you know, because there were a lot of value adds that basically you put new door handles on and you can increase rents by $200. You know, like those kind of existed. Not really, it's Joe. But like two years ago, now this conversation of value add multifamily has been happening at a really high level for a real long time now. So you got to look where the opportunity is. And for me, partnership is everything. And being partners with people I can trust, people I can learn from, because the guys that I'm partnering with on this deal, I learn something every time I'm around them. So that is why this right now. I love that. And partnership is so important that having the wrong partners has definitely been one of my mistakes <laughs> like that I've Same done. And, uh, yeah, it's like, it's not good. So what would you say though was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? A messed up partnership. I mean, I trusted someone I shouldn't have trusted. That's probably in everything. If we're going therapy session, now, it's probably like the thing I do wrong most in my life is mm. I overtrust too quickly. And now I'll tell you, I do a background search on every single person who's my partner. And you know what? What happens if, you know, something weird comes up that, oh, I see you filed bankruptcy in 2008. Well, we need to have that hard conversation. That does a couple of things. There might be a really good reason. There might be a story of growth involved in that really hard conversation, but it it allows me a couple of things because I think in terms of partnership, friendship, relationship, everything, joint ventures, it's easy to have good communication when everything's hunky-dory right? Like if you're returning a 12% cash on cash, that's an easy conversation to have, right? But when it hits the fan and you have to deliver bad news or have a hard conversation about something that's not positive, that's where you know if you have a good connection, a good relationship or not. So I think that background search that I do has yielded some good, hard conversations with some of my partners, but it's for good reason. And I'll tell you too, Basically, the partnership gone wrong. I lost a big chunk of money. There's lots of lessons in that. I'm only ever wiring money ever to a title company ever again. You know what I mean? But yeah, like I went to church with this man. Our children played together. Like I thought it was like a level of trust beyond what I should have trusted, but it did. And here I am. And I still uh, like more than a year later, haven't gotten the money. So we'll see. Wow. Yeah. So it really does help no matter how close you think you are to just do things right, have contracts in place, have, you know, just go through the the formalities because they, it tends to not just save your pocketbook, but save relationships too, I find. And I think too, the closer you are and the more obvious that we should trust each other, it is, if money's important, the more important the contractual thing is. Yes. Yes, I'm always teaching that to my goddesses. I'm like, I know it's your BFF, right? <laughs> it's your cousin, it's your brother. You're like, well, I don't need a contract with them. I'm like, yes, yes, you do. If yeah. you want to continue having a good relationship with them, you know, then yeah, clear agreements, save relationships. Yeah. So, what are you most proud of? Mm, I'll tell you what. The one thing in my life that I have won is the kindness of my kid. Like he's growing into this. He's so funny, Monique. He like I just I mean, if I win nothing else, I hope I just give him the building blocks to to live a full life. I love that. Well, that's say something about you that you have a wonderful check. Thank you. He's nice. He does lots of weird stuff and he's still a five year old boy who needs to pull his pants up. But he's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> hey goddess, have you been sitting on the sidelines and you're now ready to get started investing in real estate? If so, join me for my free online training, how to get started in real estate investing as a busy professional woman. 
Go to tinyurl.com forward slash W-R-E-I-G to register for our complimentary training and to learn how to get investing in real estate like a goddess today. See you there. And to what do you attribute your success? You know, I grew up on a farm in a town of like 800 people. And like most of the people who were there, like that's where they stay, right? And I just always ask the question, okay, why not, right? Like I played volleyball forever and uh, I wanted to play division one volleyball. That was the big thing, right? And like, I always thought, oh no, well, I'm only five, nine and I only jump touch nine foot six. And there's all these like bigger schools and better players. And like one time my mom asked me, well, you know, all of those teams, they need players. So why not you? Oh my God, why not me? Like it could, like they need the players anyway. Like, why shouldn't I be one of them? You know, and kind of the same thing in trading. I was the only female trader in a 180 trader firm, right? And then medical device sales is, is difficult to get into. And, you know, why not me? Like I can speak the, the medical vernacular. I started undergrad in chemistry. Like why not? And this investing thing, it should be hard, but you know what? I can do hard things. So why not me? I love that. You also talked at the beginning about you being a mindset ninja, which is, that's a great example of that mindset. You just like right. reframing. So what do you mean by mindset other than like the, <laughs> the ninja moves? Well, I'll tell you what, like I've learned just N of one, just like working on myself and figuring out how to get through the stuff that is not the best parts of me. That fear stuff that we talked about with the fourplex in the beginning, Right. So my ninja trick there, I always have like a little trick of how can I look at something a little differently, right? Like that's when something feels kind of insurmountable or I can't get past it or whatever, too hard in that moment, I try to reframe it in such a way that it's easier to approach. So for instance, when I get to a point of fear that, oh my God, I can't do this fourplex. And then it, it was kind of a whole new learning thing when I did my first 50 something unit, you know, that, okay this stoic philosophy idea of what is the very worst that could happen. And even the same thing in leaving my day job, what is the worst that could happen? I know I have enough cash flow coming in to cover my stuff, right? Worst case scenario. If I think through what is the very worst thing, get to that very granular, not like, oh, a pipe burst. And what if this bill comes in? No. What is the very rock bottom worst thing that could happen in this situation? And then how do you approach that? So in my leaving my day job, if the very worst rock bottom thing is that all of that cash flow somehow goes away and a lot of things hit the fan, you know what? I'll go get another sales job. I know I can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or in the 53 unit, we took that down at the beginning of COVID when we didn't know what was happening with all of the renters and job loss and whatever. And I realized like most of the people losing their jobs in COVID were bartenders and manicures, these service industry type folks. And the people who kept their jobs were like nurses and police officers and computer programmers, people who had those types of jobs, right? So what I did is I went to the property manager and asked for all the applications to see what their job was on that application. And I was able to say, all right, at-risk job, not at-risk job, at-risk, <laughs> you know, because I knew that we had essential a essential worker, non-essential worker. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So in my head, we had done the break-even point that the economic vacancy could be up to like 42 or 43% before we wouldn't be able to pay our bills. And it turned out that like 10% of the people who lived in our building were, had these non-essential jobs. So worst case scenario was 10% of our people lost their jobs and we chose to move forward. So 
ninja in that mindset type way is like, how can I reposition what that problem is to deal with it in a different way? I love that. What advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? Mm, Okay. It's 80% of anything is where your head's at, your mindset, right? 20% is the mechanics. If you're a high-performing woman, you were like the perfect little girl who did all the extra credit and you sat down and you raised your hand and you followed all the rules, right? Understand that the taking risks, the failing, you don't success your way to success. You fail your way to success. And if you're a perfect little girl, you don't know how to be okay with failure. That failure really is just learning and falling forward into what's next. So understand and embrace that failure is the path to growth, is the path to success. I love that. You don't success your way to success. You fail your way to success. You fall your way to success. Mistake your way to success. You course correct, right? You get feedback and course corrections that will help you to get there. And that is so, so good. It's like a tweetable there. But what do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? That I can trust myself that my intuition is good, that if something feels off, because that I trusted the guy, the partner too much, something felt weird about it. I knew that. And I continued to push forward anyway, with because I knew I should trust because all of the, and because he's at church and love kids. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Right. There's no way he would rake me over the coals if we have this, whatever. But anyway, your intuition is good. You have to learn how to hone it. You have to learn how to pay attention to it, to understand it, and how to work with it. Because he ain't going to work against it. No. Love that. Yeah, that's a big part of what I I believe and teach. Because our intuition, especially women's intuition, is like our most valuable tool. It's our leg up. It's the reason that women are better investors than men. If you look at CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, their earnings targets, the women's earning targets aren't as wildly divergent, but they deliver more frequently. Women deliver more frequently. We are better investors than men and we don't trust ourselves because they're big talkers sometimes. And you and I play in this multifamily world and lots of guys will be like, oh, I got 10,000 units. Well, bro, you own like 0.02% of those 10,000 units. Like, let's really ground truth this and understand why we are doing big things and we should trust ourselves. Yeah, I love that. So good. All right, Mandy, before we get into our famed end of show trinity, which is a brag, a gratitude and a desire, how can people connect with you and find out more about what you do? So the easiest way to get a hold of me is mandymcallister.com. There you'll find information on Good Fortune Capital, which is my investing firm, and also Aspiring Women Achieving More, which is our kind of inspirational women's free stuff that we do. So mandymcallister.com is the catch-all. Now, time for our Trinity. So what are you celebrating right now? What's your brag? I am celebrating this 37 days from leaving my day job. I am letting go of the branch. I am trusting myself. I am betting on myself and making that happen. So well bragged. Congratulations. And what is one thing you are grateful for? I'm grateful for all of the hard things that have brought me to where I'm at now. I've had a couple of real hard years. I know everybody had the 2020 hard year, but man, did I make some hard decisions and am I stronger and a better version of myself for it? Mm, I love that. And last but not least, what is one thing you desire? Desire? I am going to have a net worth of $10 million five years from now. 
or sooner. Speak <laughs> it into existence, it will happen. Yes. So it shall it be, or so much better than you can imagine under mm-hmm. grace and imperfect ways. Mm-hmm. Love Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Mandy. That was awesome. You can connect with Mandy at mandymcallister.com and Aspiring Women Achieving More. And you can connect with me at reigoddesses.com. There you find out about our programs, our events, our connect to our amazing community of women from all over the world, investing and supporting one another. And please subscribe and like and follow this and join us next time for another incredible Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast interview. Bye-bye. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.